here with Marcus Holman. Marcus, thank you so much for coming in. It's Fired a pleasure. Up. Fired up. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Just uh, pretty conversational, but I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what it's been like to be back at Gilman, coaching lacrosse here. We're walking around campus, coming to the studio here and thinking about when you were a student here and just walking the paths and yeah. all those memories coming back. So maybe you can start off talking about coaching here and being back at Gilman yeah it's been great obviously very nostalgic um just a little background for the listeners when I graduated Gilman in 2009 our family relocated to Chapel Hill North Carolina Uh, my dad took an assistant coaching job at UNC I got a scholarship to play at North Carolina so our family packed up and we moved and I really haven't been back in this, you know, Roland Park, Gilman area since then. So what is that, like 12, 12 years? Yeah. 13 years. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of memories come flooding back. Being out on the practice field has been great. Uh, you know, I think about an overtime win against LaSalle and, uh, you know, big football games and a lot of those memories coming back. And then just walking around the campus, um, going into the classrooms and stuff like that. I was telling you about the Lumen Center being new when I was a student here. So yeah, it, it does. It feels, I wasn't sure how it was going to feel, but it feels right. You know, I, I like wearing the Navy blue again. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here and just trying to meet as many people as I can and, and reconnect with some old coaches and some old teachers. And, uh, just, I've been enjoying my time here for sure. What was it like? Uh, I guess when you were in high school, you're playing for coach Matthews here. Um, can you talk a little bit about the seasons you had as a player, a lacrosse player under him and some of the memorable wins um, in the blue, in the Greyhound blue yeah. and gray? Yeah. So I was uh, I was just a four-year Gilman guy. I went to Boys Latin from third to eighth and then made the uh, correct transfer over here to Gilman as a ninth grader and um, played JV my freshman year under Coach Ledyard. And then moved up to the varsity as a, as a sophomore. And, yeah, I mean, it, again, some of my fondest lacrosse memories happened right out here um, at this campus. You know, I think we were, I told some of the guys this, we were 35-2 and two my junior and senior years combined. Wow. wow. So we had two losses. Uh, junior year, we were undefeated. We lost in the championship to Loyola. That was a really, really tough game. Still remember that one. I felt terrible because my brother, Matt, was the starting goalie. And he, was, he was a senior. Yeah, so that was, you know, Joey Ehrman, Tyler Kimball, those guys were seniors, and, you know, you want to win for the seniors. And uh, and then our senior year, we were able to bounce back. We lost our last regular season game right before we went into the playoffs. We lost to Boys Latin, and then we just kind of rolled through the playoffs and beat Calvert Hall in the championship my senior year. So that was kind of a cool, like, revenge tour but, um, yeah, I mean, just back to your point about Coach Matthews, like, just a tough coach, like a, a great, great coach. Um, you know, not a lot of fluff with Coach Matthews, which I think is is awesome. I think, yeah. you know, more kids kind of need to hear it that way. It's, like, honest and direct. Um, you know, I remember a couple practices where, you know, I think he knew that I could handle being singled out maybe in front of the entire team and, um, you know, he kind of put that challenge on me and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it was like super easy and it was all great, but looking back on it, like, I really think he molded me to make me a tougher player and, um, make me a little bit more disciplined about things in regards to lacrosse. So 
but yeah, I mean, we had some incredible, like I always tell people too, I was never the best player on any team here at Gilman. We had Jack Doyle, we had Greg McBride, you know, we had Cooper Brown, we had Harry Previs, um, Davey Emma. Like we had guys that were absolute studs. Um, and I was able to kind of just like work my way around and play with those guys and create chemistry with them. And, um, yeah, it was, I just, those three years, even as a sophomore, like playing a lot, like I was going against big senior defensemen that are going to division one schools. Um, you kind of forget how, I think the gap is so much bigger in high school between like a freshman and a senior than it is in college. For sure. For sure. Um, so that's kind of a, a, I'm trying to work my way through that as, as I get back into the coaching ranks here with, with these young bucks at the high school level. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially, I mean, like eighth, ninth, 10th grade, you see some of these guys and they're, they're tiny. Yeah. And then you've got, <laughs> you know, you've got kids that are just sprouting up. It's right. just such a weird period of growth. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of kids are now like reclassing and all that kind of is going on, you know, so there's some old, <laughs> old seniors here. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, more so down here. I mean, I guess in Philly that happens too. But I feel like when I moved down to Baltimore, it was yeah. like this kid is reclassing and he's, you know, he's 19 years old, but right. he's got another season. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, did you? So obviously lacrosse, huge part of your life. Yeah. Our dads play. Your dad dad was a little bit older than my dad, maybe at Hopkins. But, 80 to 83. So lacrosse is in the blood. Like you've yeah. had it all your your life. Probably born with a stick in your hands, like yeah. me. Yeah. Um, were you always super obsessed with the game and, and did you know that you wanted to get into coaching? Like what was the tra- trajectory for you at Gilman going to Carolina and then, you know, deciding that you wanted to become a professional player and a coach? Yeah, I, I would say I always just have loved sports. Like I've just loved competition. Um, you know, whatever it is, like sign me up to play it. You know, if it's dodgeball, let's go. If it's pickleball. Been pickleball. into pickleball lately. It's um, the best. You know, I, I know racket sports are big in this kind of rolling park area. So love tennis, golf. Like, like I said, that was kind of my upbringing was to just like play as many sports as I can. Uh, I played football and basketball and lacrosse here at Gilman, um, and that was actually like partially one of my reasons from transferring from Boys Latin to Gilman was moving to a conference football. I loved football. I thought my path was going to be maybe like playing Division Three football somewhere. Um, and then going into my freshman year at Gilman, I broke my collarbone three times in a span of six months. So that was like starting in April of an, my eighth grade year. Jeez. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe misdiagnosis from a doctor or maybe I was just rushing back in and like, you know, didn't really ease back into playing. I was just throwing my shoulders around everywhere. So that was kind of a, a, uh, in a time of adversity for me. Again, it's, I think adversity is all relative, right? I, I look around at what's going on in the world today and, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that like, that is probably the, one of the hardest periods I've had to deal with personally, but I wasn't, I couldn't play football my freshman year. That was the point that I was trying to make is, so then my path kind of changed, you know, and then I was like, damn, okay, like I'm going to go all in with this lacrosse thing and really just, you know, practice after school and go in my yard and play and, you know, go to more Johns Hopkins games and watch Paul Rabel and Kyle Harrison. And that was kind of where my love fully went to lacrosse. Up until that point, it was probably both were equal, if not football was 
ahead a little bit more. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. They, my, uh, I mean, I, when I was growing up, I was obsessed with the Johns Hopkins because my dad would take me down to games yeah. and I would, you know, I would be watching Rabel and, yeah. and Harrison because that was their glory. That was 2005, uh, yeah. 2007. We were probably a couple rows apart from each other in the stands, I bet. Like, yeah, I can man. still remember the smell and, like, the band. Yeah. Like, there'd be, like, 8,000 people there easy on a Saturday. Yeah. I was, like, I was like one of the biggest – I was a diehard. I, like <laughs> – I remember just lining up, getting autographs yeah. after the, like I was a little kid. I was, yeah. you know, fourth grade, fifth grade, um, rushing down at M&T Bank Stadium to try to get someone's yeah. stick. And they won. They won here, I think, in, uh, maybe seven? 07. Yeah. I think 07. They won 05 in Philly, yeah. and then they won 07 in Baltimore, yeah. I was obsessed. <laughs> Were you thinking maybe Hopkins at, at some point? Yeah, that was, um, again, just like, Growing up there, my dad actually had a coaching stint there from like 1999 to 2001, maybe. Um, so yeah, I was on the sidelines. I was like in and out of the locker room. Like, yeah, I I loved it all. Um, and yeah, when when that time came to kind of the recruiting process, I ended up narrowing it down. I think to four schools is what I remember: Hopkins, Princeton, Notre Dame, and and North Carolina were kind of the final four. Um, and I actually. The first visit I took was to UNC, and when I left in my head, I was like, I'm going to this place. This place is awesome. Yeah. I just thought it was the best combination of, you know, a social life, a good academic school, and then the lacrosse program at the time was struggling, but I felt like, you know, it was a place that I could go and, and play right away, just kind of looking at the roster. So, but yeah, Hopkins was in the, in the, in the cards. I think at the time it was maybe just a little too close to home. You yeah. know, it was like two miles down the road. So right. I wanted a, maybe a little bit more of a full college experience, you know, going to a football game day, going to a big ACC football game, you know, going to a Duke UNC basketball game was, those were pretty epic. So I don't, I don't have any regrets about the college decision. Yeah. yeah. I mean, UNC thinking about all the campuses that I've really been to for games and scrimmages in college and we played unc my freshman year yeah down at unc and just it was over spring break and just walking around that place when it's nice and warm and people are out and about and the food i remember we, we yeah. went out for the game before the game and it was like brisket yeah like yeah some southern like barbecue yeah, yeah. it's like who wouldn't bread. go to this place yeah i mean it's uh it's an amazing place I think that maybe lends itself to some problems the lacrosse team has in the spring with like staying focused and, and winning. It's um, got to be hard. I don't want to make excuses though. <laughs> they got you know they got to get back to the Final Four and the championship. Virginia but, can do it. Yeah, I know exactly. But yeah, when the, when spring times comes around, the, the the flowers start blooming. You know the the sorority parties and the fraternity parties start, and it's a very fun place for sure. Yeah. Um, so going down to UNC freshman year. Um, from Gilman, like what was, what was, I guess that experience like just leaving Baltimore and, you know, starting your college career. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. It was good. I had, I was lucky enough to have a teammate, Greg McBride. We both committed. We were both in the same class. So we both went from Gilman to UNC, but I, <laughs> it's funny. I like just sparked a memory in my head. I think the first night out I was wearing khakis and I got absolutely ridiculed <laughs> for wearing khakis down, um, at North Carolina, because, you know, kids from Long Island, Philly, they were all, like, wearing jeans and stuff, and I had a pair of khakis on. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean you guys don't wear khakis? 
I don't know if I've worn a pair of khakis since that. Since it's that ingrained in the in the mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was a great experience. I think um, Coach Matthews also is a Carolina alum, so he, you know he kind of helped me out with that process. But yeah, it was it was great. I was fortunate enough again to to be able to play right away as a freshman and um, have a have a pretty good career down there. Unfortunately, never able to make it to a Final Four. That was kind of always our our goal to bring Carolina back. Uh, to a final four, but, um, it was cool. You know, I think looking back, I think, uh, an under, maybe an underrated part of like leadership is, you know, the classes that come after you, you know, talking about a legacy that you want to leave. When I was a senior, the freshman class ended up winning a championship their senior year. So it was kind of like the last, uh, straw maybe of like your leadership. Right. Um, and that was really cool to see because I actually, you know, um, we lost my senior year. We lost to Denver. We were up 9-4 in the quarterfinals at halftime. Tough loss. And uh, I just remember thanking the freshmen after that game because they were, like, so bought in. And, you know, as a senior, that's what you want. You want, you know, all of, you know, freshmen, sophomore, juniors to be committed. And because at that point, as you know, you kind of finally feel like, oh, my gosh, this is coming to an end. Like, I want to do everything I can to, you know, win and kind of leave a stamp on the program. So that was really cool to see those freshmen win. I think it, 2017 is when they won the championship. Cloutier hit that shot at, in overtime against Maryland. Yep. Um, yep. And that, it was being in the stands for that was was really electric. It was awesome. Yeah, that's special. I mean, I'm waiting waiting a little bit for Harvard to <laughs> to get just get over the hump. Yeah. Like even if they get over 500, I'll be pretty pumped because I just feel like. You know, you think about college lacrosse and how much work you put in and how much you sacrifice, like just seeing your team yeah. just get there, you know, right. just just win. Yeah. Um, it's got to be special. I'm, I'm buying stock in Harvard. I'm pretty bullish on them right now. Great coaching staff. Coach Byrne, I think, is he knows what he wants. He knows, you know, what it takes to run a, a really established program, so... Yeah, Sam King, couple Gilman guys yeah. there. Yep. You know, they're starting because when I was there, they only had like one or two Gilman guys, yeah. or, or really Maryland guys. Right. And I feel like you've got to recruit the Baltimore guys. Got to. You know? They just have that IQ. I was I was talking to uh, my friend and former coach uh, Will Manny, and I was just like, "Dang, it's nice to be back here." Like, there's just some things that like I don't have to teach these kids. Like, they just know spacing. They know kind of. The rotations of of certain things so it's cool i feel yeah. like that's all from being around the game and watching yeah just watching players yep um, we talked about patterns right lacrosse being kind of a you know it's a free-flowing game but at the same time there's patterns that continuously like appear uh and if you know what they are it's it allows you to kind of play a little bit slower um yeah when we, yeah. Were, when we were watching film today i was just thinking about um how gr- how growing up there was always that one or two guys that I they were my favorite players that I would always really watch because I felt like our games were similar and I could just steal from what they were doing out there and I think that's a good piece of advice I mean kind of a basic piece of advice yeah. for younger players but so important to just find that college or pro player that has a similar style to you and like try to replicate in your backyard what they're doing. Try to yeah. master it. Try to be creative with it. A hundred percent. And I, it's funny. I still think even like as a pro now, I still kind of peruse around and look for guys that have like similar games to me and, and 
see if I could like steal something from them. You know, Ryan Brown obviously being a fantastic shooter. A guy like Jake Carraway, who went to Georgetown, he he just played his uh, rookie season for the Atlas. Um, this kid Chase Frazier, who's a Canadian, he plays for the Chaos. He's just kind of a, a righty, like off-ball guy. So like I kind of just look around and see, you know, what those guys are doing. If I can add anything to my game to just make me a, a better player. But yeah, to your point, that's like day one stuff. You know, it was always like Kyle Harrison and Paul Rabel for me, Mikey Powell was kind of before them. Yep. Um, I probably watched his highlight tape like a thousand times. Pretty electric highlight tape. He's yeah. doing front flips and the dip and dunk and stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> that's good advice. Yeah. I can't I can't do too many flips, but just the – I feel like growing up it was that creativity and the fun they seemed like they were having with the game. And I remember going to the Final Fours and playing just in the parking lot, just doing like the mini lacks and – that I think that's what attracted me to lacrosse at the start is just yeah. how how fun it is. Right. Um, I don't know. I think probably the same for for you. But yeah. like, what was it about lacrosse that you know, other than the football injuries, that really made you fall in love with the sport and become obsessed with it? Because that's what it takes is the yeah. obsession, right? Yeah. I think uh, you know I was lucky enough. We had a house on on Lake Avenue, and we had a a nice like plot of land that was flat. It was like down in this valley, and we had um, we had a lacrosse goal there. At one point, I think we actually had two goals, which was cool. They were probably like 30, 20 yards apart. Um, and I kind of just like fell in love with the process of just going down there and just like shooting lacrosse balls. And it really wasn't like, you know, I see a lot of stuff nowadays where there's so much more information where kids are just like, I will, you know, I'm, I need to work on this, this, this. For me, it was just just enjoying the like I don't want to say the process it was almost like meditative for me to like go down there and just shoot and like I was by myself and we had like some shade areas where my parents bought me the like warrior uh corner finders yeah you know like and when you hit them it's like it makes like the like (laughs) sound like it's very it's like a Pavlov's dog almost like I hit it so many (laughs) times I was like I love that sound yeah and then I would just like shoot and just like take a nap on the ground and just like and it was really nice to just be outside I wouldn't even have shoes on half the time like it was just very uh yeah it was, it was like almost relaxing to me yeah to I feel like point. that's why uh I mean I'm not a huge golfer but I can see why people become so obsessed with yeah. golf is just that feeling of hitting a good shot is addicting yeah you know, like hitting that corner right when you're just shooting around in your backyard it's yeah it's addicting yeah. and you do it in a game and it's like I want to do that again I want to keep practicing yep. Yep, 100%. And just, like, being being outside, being in nature, I think that has something to do with it, too. Like, I look at some of these golf courses, they're incredible. I've, I think everybody's bucket list should be, like, to go to the Masters and watch. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to, like, a, I've never been to a golf event. Have you? I, I have. Yeah, there was one kind of near my house okay. that I somehow got tickets to yeah. in Philly. Um, forget, I think it was the BMW, like, classic a couple nice. years ago there, and... I mean, I'm not a big golfer at all. Yeah. I was just with some friends, and they had an extra ticket. Cool. But it's kind of cool to be there and just watching, I mean, the focus and yeah. the mental component of that sport. It's crazy. There's it's, nothing like it. It's tougher. You know, again, I when I talk to kids about lacrosse, like, you should be grateful that you have teammates around you. Um, a good adage that I heard that I think is incredible is that teammates multiply the success and they divide the failure, right? So, like, if your team loses, 
it's never just one person's fault in a lacrosse game. Mm-hmm. If you lose a tennis match, it is 100% your fault. There's right. no one else to blame. There's no one to blame. Yeah. And if you're playing doubles, I guess you're 50% of, right. the, of the blame. But, like, same thing with golf. Like, if you have a bad round of golf, it is literally no one else's fault but your own, which makes it extremely tough, tougher, you know, in my eyes than a sport like lacrosse or football or basketball. I think just from the mental component. That's tr- that's true, but I also think uh, like I'd love to hear you talk about like your mental approach going into games because I feel like in some ways, yes, you're relying on your teammates, but you're also approaching it like I have to win my matchups. I need to yeah. do what I need to do to like beat my guy, yeah, right? Right. Um, I think I think players on a team should all like assume the the accountability of like a leader, you know, in, in some aspects, obviously there's going to be a hierarchy of the older guys or captains and then guys have to kind of fall in line, but everyone should approach, you know, their role on the team to, to be the best that they can. So yes, to your point, like going into a game, right. I'm thinking about my responsibilities. What do I need to do? Um, you know, what do I need to execute? Um, you know, who am I going against? Who are we going against as a unit? Um, I, I don't think of it too much anymore as like an individual matchup more so like I need to, you know, beat this guy in front of me. I, I take a more team oriented approach. I'm not sure that everyone does that. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Um, but for me, it's more just like our unit versus your unit. Cause if you're shutting me off, then am I being selfish if I'm trying to get the ball and like yeah. throwing everybody out of whack? Cause I need to win my matchup, you know? So it's right. like, I think about it a little bit more from that perspective. And again, I, I don't know if that's the right way or wrong way to do it. I, I know there are guys that take their matchups personally and it works for them, you know? Um, that speaks to your team also, yeah, the, yeah, the archers and maybe how closely knit that, that group is. Um, what is, like, what is that program like? I'd like to hear a little bit about just the PLL, the Pro Lacrosse League yeah. that was started up a couple of years ago and playing with, obviously, some amazing players. We love, like, watching the Archers and Coach Bates. Yeah. You know, he's an unbelievable leader, too. Philly guy. Philly guy. Play squash with him. Nice. Yeah. Um, he's awesome. He's a great guy. Yeah, I think, uh, again, go- just something I want to hit on real quick. Going back to, like, my Gilman days, I guess maybe the reason I think about the game that way is because I wasn't ever like quote unquote the guy you know like and maybe I I don't think I'm being too humble here like I honestly think that way like I think there are always other guys that not that I didn't want the ball with in my stick with the game online it was just like I knew I had other guys that could make plays around me where I didn't ever feel like I needed the ball for our team to be successful and I've kind of maybe held on to that like as I've, I've gotten older and I definitely feel that way now just in my role with the archers as being a little bit less of an initiator um and someone who who has the ball on their stick to use their speed or quickness to beat their guy um because we have guys that are frankly better at it than me (laughs) and uh yeah so it's been fun it's been a it's been a cool three years technically like two and a half um we had a bubble season in 2020 uh during covid but yeah, I mean, you know, thinking back to my first six years with Major League Lacrosse, the MLL, um, 
you know, just some of the adjustments that the PLL has brought. And obviously we're getting paid more. Um, players have options for benefits, for health benefits. Um, I think their social media content is incredible. Yeah, I think it's very good. Yeah, no one can deny um, the quality of talent that they have there. Um, I think just the, the television production has, has really been great too. Gilman alum Ryan Boyle has been on the call a lot for NBC Sports. He does such a good job. It's the um, Tony Roma of lacrosse. Yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard that. Um, maybe with a little less like, eh, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Ryan, it, so like on the whole, it's it's definitely, I, again, professional lacrosse trending upward. Um, but, you know, it's, it's uh, we're still going to, we're still in some ways, you know, in our ground baby years, like it's it's 20 years old, you know, I think at this point in the NFL's career, guys were still working other jobs and had uh, other opportunities to, to kind of make a full income. So that's kind of where we are. I, I think it would be awesome one day to just have a prof- like a true professional lacrosse player. Um, and there, I think there actually are a couple guys that play both in the indoor league and the outdoor league are able to make, I think, a full-time living just playing lacrosse, which is pretty awesome in yeah. my mind. Yeah. Very cool. Um. I'd love to get back to a little bit about the leadership component because I'm curious about your story, your career, and where you picked up on some of those leadership qualities or those leadership ideas that made you a leader in high school, college, and the pros. Yeah, I think – I know this is going to sound weird to say, but being a Baltimore guy, uh, and my family had season tickets to the Baltimore Ravens, so we would – Pretty, I pretty much didn't miss a home game from like fifth grade to maybe my junior year or senior year of high school. And at that time, who am I looking at in the huddle every weekend on Sunday in a Baltimore Ravens jersey? Ray Lewis. Yeah. What's he doing? He's getting his team fired up. I've never seen a guy play with more passion than Ray Lewis. Um, again, take away kind of all the off the field, maybe incidents, um, you know, I, I, those don't really factor into my view of him as like a, a leader. Um, you can't deny that he galvanized his teammates and made them play better, um, and made the guys around him better. Um, so I was, you know, kind of seeing him, like I was never afraid to just kind of get in the huddle and like raise my voice to just encourage and be passionate about, you know, whatever it was, if it was basketball, football, lacrosse, tiddlywinks. Um, you know, I, I, I think being a leader, at a younger age, it, it takes some courage. You know, you've got to be willing to, you know, step out and and raise your voice. That's not comfortable for a, a lot of younger kids. Um, but what I found is like once you once you kind of make that first step or that first leap, um, and, and you can you can feel the people around you like matching your energy or or improving. Um, it's it's really contagious. Um, and like I don't know out in fifth grade and like cross country runs, I was kind of always, I always gravitated just towards like the front of the line. Uh, and I've learned as I've gotten older that, you know, you can lead from the front. You can also lead from the back. I think they're both not one is right. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's guys that are a little bit quiet, a little bit more stoic, maybe that, you know, can bring up the rear of the train and, you know, keep guys in front of them and, and see where everybody is. You know, personally, I've always been more of a front of the line guy. I just, you know, I'm, I'm passionate. I'm, I'm energetic. I, I think a lot of where my success has come from as a lacrosse player has been just because of that, just because of, 
you know, I'm, I'm always ready to go when that whistle blows. And I know that maybe says, sounds easy to do. Um, but I, I don't think it is. I think it, some guys struggle with that. And, uh, so yeah, that's kind of, you know, maybe an early influence was, was Ray Lewis <laughs> yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. Um, my dad is, has been a, an influence on my life just as a mentor and, um, someone who's, you know, just, he's just been honest with me just about, uh, certain things that at times, you know, maybe a little too tough, you know, but, you know, we, we had some great conversations when, when I was growing up and he's just always been honest with me as he is with, with people around him. And I really respect that about him. That's a great quality that, you know, I hope to just learn from him and take. Was, yeah. was he your coach just all growing yeah, up? Yeah, just uh, like rec, rec league and club. Um, he coached our club team, the Breakers. Uh, we had some epic tournaments in the summertime. <laughs> yeah, this was back when there was like three clubs in yeah, Baltimore yeah. and not like 33. Back when club wasn't just insane every, you know, three times a week in December yeah. and yeah, I all mean, year round. Right. It's, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't have to go down that path. We could, we could talk <laughs> Yeah, and I don't even I don't know the answer or the the rhetoric around the the club scene, but yeah, um, yeah, he's he's always been there. And then obviously he he was coaching at UNC. He was the volunteer. He was coaching more of the goalies, and we didn't necessarily like interact on the field every day. But I think a special thing about him as a coach is that he's like more of a mentor than a than a coach per se. You know, like he'd rather have you into his office after practice you know, and discuss your life and what motivates you and how to get you to, to be the best. So he's always been that for, for me and my other siblings, my older brother, Matthew and my younger sister, Sydney. So very grateful for pops. Got to give him a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. I think same for me. I mean, yeah. I mean, lacrosse was always for me, like my, my dad loved it. Like my yeah. dad was like, that's what gets him going. Like even today he's looking for the xfinity password so he can get the games going yeah. you know every saturday so you know my dad bleeds blue i was going down to those hopkins games all yeah. the time and he coached me club youth yeah growing up and i think that just rubbed off on me completely is that's why i'm you know that's why i really gravitated toward yeah. and, and started becoming obsessed with it growing up and you know i think my college experience playing it, it wasn't the best, like yeah. lacrosse wise, right. for four years. Didn't really win too much. It was tough to get on the field up there. Yeah. And it, the coaching situation at Harvard was was you know was a little shaky. Yeah, yep. Um, so I didn't have like an amazing college experience, but I got to go to Harvard. Mean, it's yeah. a ridiculous like opportunity. Good trade off. But I yeah. think a lot of the guys in my class there kind of put the stick down for a bit. Yeah. And, I don't know if they're going to pick it up again just because it was so intense and, you know, it didn't really pan out yeah. for a lot of guys. But yeah. it's sticking around for me. Like, we're out there shooting on goalies. I'm still playing. I know. Um, you're going to suit up for practice today. I might suit up for practice. Come on. You got the pads in the in the car? Pads yeah. are right in the locker room. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but, uh, but I think it is, like, the early influence of, you know, dad. Like, yeah. just giving me the stick and, yeah. and showing me the way. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome. And so when you were at Gilman, uh, talk, can we talk about a little bit, um, just like some of the other factors of Gilman, the place going here, I guess for, for four years in high school that like rubbed off on you as a person, not only in the game of lacrosse, but just in life, 
um, because I feel like Gilman just gives you so many different keys and and qualities to the future um, that that stay with you. Yeah, that's a, that's such a good way to put it. I think. Yeah, you, you're giving a you're given a, a set of keys, and there's so many doors that you can just unlock here. If you like art, you know, if you like woodworking, if you like theater, if you like athletics, um, you know, I was reminded again of the the teacher coach aspect of the school, which I think is really awesome, right? So, you know, kids sit in class with you and they learn from you, but then they also see a different side of you out on the the athletic field. Like, I think that's such an incredible kind of aspect of the school you know I'm looking at this DVD of Redmond Finney I think it was he that kind of instituted that um policy if I'm not mistaken I don't know don't don't quote me on that teacher coach yeah teacher coach um you know and and again just walking around here and and kids have on shirt and tie and they're you know their their shirts are tucked in like just those early elements of discipline I think are are important um because then what I found once I left Gilman was just like that the world's a little bit easier, you know, in a, in a good way, like, because I was, I felt prepared. Um, I felt, you know, challenged here at times more than I did at, at UNC academically. Um, just being able to think and, and learn from some, some great teachers and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, again, I, it, all these like memories are just kind of coming back and, uh, yeah, it's been cool to walk around and be inside the, the classrooms and the buildings and the Lumen Center. And yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say uh, the world was a little bit easier getting out of here because I, I just teaching always think about how hard my students are just grinding for, you know, the grade yeah. in five classes plus the extracurriculars plus like the SAT plus the sports. And just the days are so insanely packed. Yeah. And then you've got something to do tomorrow instead of like in three weeks, like in college. Yeah. Uh, but like high school is a tough, tough time. <laughs> yeah. You've really got to be locked in at all times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Gilman it does a good job of like noticing that, knowing that, and giving you the tools, resources to navigate it so that you are prepared, fully armed when you get out there. Yeah. 100%. Well said. Yeah. They yeah. should record that and put it on like the website. Yeah, give it to Owen, Owen Daly for yeah. the uh... <laughs> the admissions. The admissions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so great. Um, and you had a couple book recs. Yeah, today? yeah, I do. I didn't bring any. I've I've seen Sorry. some some physical copies in some of the podcasts that you've we done. Can, we can pull them in. Okay, pull the images in. Yeah, like Photoshop. So, uh, a book that I've read twice over the past year is green lights by matthew mcconaughey twice yeah love that book just a great uh it's kind of you know his his memoir it kind of just follows along his journey but um he has a great social media presence like his just like his aura is just very it's like laid back but he's like a philosopher in a way um and some of the the book was inspired by the journal that he had been keeping since he was like 15 years old um, and again, keeping a journal has become like a very, uh, what, like a buzz buzzword. Um, and I, I've had one that I've probably written in for the past five years, but I'm not very diligent about it. It's just like when inspiration strikes, I write in it. But what I love to do is go back and read through it. Cause it's yeah. like, you know, you, whether you keep it as like a diary with how you're feeling or 
I use it more so as like if I read something that I really like, I write it in there. Yeah. And then you can go back and read it, you know, and you kind of figure out who you want to be or who you are uh, through the writing, you know? Yep, um, yep. You know, it's – and it's tough, like, with our age of technology, like, at times you want to just write it on your notes section on your phone, like, but when you write it down, it's just so different. It's just, like, there, you know? Um, yeah, it doesn't get lost. I mean, I got a new phone, and I had so many pictures and little yeah. – like things that I saved screenshots on my other phone that, you know, it gets lost. Yeah. But when you have the physical book, the physical copy of your handwriting, it is yeah. nice to go back in there and see those little bits of wisdom. Yeah. And what our, one of our coaches, Tony Resch for the archers, um, after our season, we, we lost in the playoffs and he asked us to do a recap. Him and coach base asked us to do a recap of the season. And he said, he's like, I'm, you can write about whatever you want, but I'm going to mandate that you do it with pen and paper because like I mentioned to our team writing film, writing down in film, he said that when you, when you put the pen to paper, it forces you to slow down and like think about what you're actually writing. You know, mm -hmm. some like when we get on the text or we get on our cell phone, like you can just go quick. Um, but the act of actually writing it slows it down so you can be more thoughtful with what you're writing down. So, Back to your point, Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey has been a book I've read twice. I'm currently reading a book called Created for Greatness by Alexander Havard. He is like a French um, philosopher. He wrote a book called uh, Virtuous Leadership, and Created for Greatness is kind of like the sequel to that. It's, it's very small. It's probably 50 pages long, and it essentially um, – dives into these two words and I'm, I might butcher the first one. It's magnanim magnanimity. Yeah. Magnanimous is like the more appropriate word. And then humility as like the two essential characteristics of being a leader, um, being magnanimous, right. Is like, you know, believing in the greatness of your life, like, you know, our ability to do great things and like step outside of our comfort zone and like challenge ourselves to reach, great heights you know that's what i think like the word magnanimous is such a cool word yeah um yeah and then like humility as kind of the uh, like on the other end of the spectrum of that is like believing in the greatness of others and like serving them you know to be able to push people to higher heights so they kind of like work with each other um and it's really cool he breaks it down and and it's it's again you know it's a book i've read maybe five years ago and I have some things highlighted in there and like rereading through it. It's like, Oh wow. That's, you know, I, I like that note or I like that, you know, little story. Um, but yeah, I think those are, those are two really cool words. So, um, I think humility is a great one too. I mean, I haven't really heard anyone say magnum, magnanimity. Magn it's a hard word to pronounce. It is. I, I, I've been practicing it Magna for this podcast. Mag <laughs> magnanimity. Magnanimous. Yeah. Um, but humility as part of like the Gilman five motto yeah, yeah. is something that is spoken about a lot here. Yeah. Um, for you, just in terms of like playing professional lacrosse and leading and coaching, like where does, where does that humility, like where does that show up? I guess like on the field in a huddle. Yeah. Um, like during a game. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, I think about it maybe more so as like the stuff behind the scenes. Um, 
there's another really I'm going to tie this into another book uh, called Legacy by James Kerr. Sweep the sheds. Sweep the sh- sweep the sheds is is about humility. Um, that's why like I'll just instinctively yell like sweep them like out on the field, um, and you know the the rationale behind that story is the New Zealand All Blacks. They're the most famous rugby team of all time. They're the best rugby team of all time. They dominate everyone. They go into these arenas. They crush this team. And then, you know, they're leaving and they're cleaning out the locker room. And it's the two captains of the team stay behind. And the locker room is absolutely meticulous. Uh, It's spotless. It's perfectly clean. And think about the message that sends to the other team when they walk in that locker room or their coaches walk in the locker room, right? We just got our asses kicked by this team. And they just, and the locker room is perfectly clean. Like, damn, that team is locked in. Like that's, that is a team. That's a unit. Like those guys know what they're doing, you know? So I think about humility, right? Not, no one is big enough for the small tasks that need to be done for the team carry the water out, right? Bringing the lacrosse balls out to practice, cleaning the field. Um, you know, again, humility is, is bringing out the greatness in other people, um, to some extent, you know, without, you know, promoting yourself. And there's a lot of good definitions of it, but it's a really cool word. I think it's, you know, it, again, it's one that's sometimes you got to check yourself. You know, I think I've, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a saint or, you know, I haven't, you know, been, fallen victim to self-promotion or, um, you know, having an ego sometimes that can get a little bit too big. But, you know, if you remind yourself of those words and you, you try to live in a way that, um, you know, is, is, uh, I guess applicable to them, like you'll, I don't know, that's who you'll become. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting thinking about practicing, like practicing these words or these, uh, values and two memories or ideas came to mind when you were just talking about sweeping the sheds. Uh, one actually is Coach Gittleman was a goalie coach my freshman year yeah. of college, and he was huge into if I'm remembering this right, he was huge into the lockers being spotless. Yeah, and my freshman class we had we had a bunch of guys who you know we'd leave the towels out, right. we'd leave our coffee in the locker yeah and those were all locker violations and you'd have to you'd have to punt you'd have to do a wednesday morning punishment for that kind of stuff what, what was that what was that punishment like it's probably work out with, with gits yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it was brutal and uh i don't know i think i think a lot of guys will think of those little things like the locker not being clean or just things that don't necessarily matter in terms yeah. of the wins and the losses right you know it, at the end of the day, they actually do matter because yeah. that's what the culture is. That is the like lifeblood of the team is how well, I guess the little things are managed. Yeah. And it's like, again, when you, you know, when you think about why we coach or why we teach, obviously, you know, we want to win games this spring for Gilman. Like I'm a competitor, you're a competitor, right? Coaching in Contreras, a competitor, like, we want to win games. That's part of our objective. But at the same time, like no one's getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to play lacrosse. Right. So like, what are we trying to instill and, you know, leave, leave these kids with when they leave Gilman, like, you know, humility is part of that, like cleaning up after yourself, right. Seems like a trivial detail, but when you don't do it, 
what you're saying is I'm too good for this. Somebody else is somebody else needs to do it because if you don't clean it up, it doesn't just magically get picked up off the floor, right? Somebody else has to do that. You know? So what you're saying is I'm too good for this job. Somebody else do it. Um, That's the beauty of sports. I think because a lot of people, I don't think maybe learn these concepts or these things. If, if not, being on a team or playing a sport where you're held accountable by yeah. coaches and other players. Like you, you know, you might go to college and you have a roommate and they're leaving all their stuff around. <laughs> it's like this guy didn't play team sports where that's right. just, that doesn't fly. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. The lo- locker room is, is a good, that's a good story about coach gets the locker room bios. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the other thing I was just thinking about, and I don't know if this is an accurate story but it is about redmond finney when he was a headmaster here i think someone told it when they were on the podcast just talking about him he was like he had a candidate coming into his office for a job and he was supposed to meet with that person in the morning at some time and as the person gets out of their car and is like walking up the steps of Kerry hall i don't know who this is but he's like up on the ladder in the front of the building fixing something or cleaning something up there and the person couldn't get into the front building so he's like asking the guy up on the ladder like hey you know can you let me in can you get me in here i have an interview and ready finney comes down and he's like how you doing i'm ready finney let me just like go get changed real quick so it's legendary story and i might be wrong on the details of it but just the the facts of it yeah uh the message is the same it's the same right like there's a job that needs to be done like I'm going to do it, right? Because I'm not going to ask somebody else to do it. And no job is too too small for me to accomplish. That's really cool. That's an awesome story. Yeah, shout out to Davey Emlo too, one of my best friends. Um, he was in my wedding this past December. Davey is Redmond's uh, grandson. And Davey's actually getting married this May. They've had to uh, – it's like a, they're on a two-year delay because of COVID. So excited to celebrate his marriage and – Fellow Gilman alum, class of 2009, MIAA champs. Might actually be, Ned might have actually told me that story. Someone told me that. Ned yeah. Emola. I don't know. But yeah, that's awesome. Strong lineage there. Oh, Those yeah. Emola boys. Yeah. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Um, a couple other things that I wanted to get to to yeah. talk to you about is one of them uh, playing USA team and playing for the country. And I'm just curious about what that experience was like and that team, um, maybe some of the lessons or messages you picked up on through that experience. Yeah. Um, it's been a, it's been a process, uh, starting right after I graduated college in 2013, we had tryouts, um, that summer. And then I was fortunate enough to be named to the national team in 2014. Uh, the world games were in Denver. Um, we lost a heartbreaker to Canada. We, we got a silver medal. Um, and then I was able to kind of stay with the process. You know, they have kind of one-off events, um, in the winter, in the off years, they don't really, it's not, you know, you can't evaluate like too much, but the year before they'll have tryouts. And then I was able to come back and make the team in in 2018. And, uh, that was (laughs) an unbelievable experience for me. The world games were in Netanya, Israel. So we took an 11-hour flight from JFK. We flew, flew to Tel Aviv. 
Um, as part of our experience over there, we did a day trip to Jerusalem, which was just an unbelievable experience. We saw the, the Western Wall. Um, we, we visited some of these tombs and crypts that were just so beautiful. And then we were able to, we played Canada again in, in the gold medal game. We, we scored at the buzzer to win. Tom Schreiber cut, yep. scored <laughs> an epic, epic goal. Um, and that was a cool, you know, both of those experiences were a cool lesson for me. Again, I, I come back to Gilman where, you know, you're on this team, right? And there's 23 guys and they're the best in the world, best in the country, let's say, <laughs> Team USA. There are some good Canadian players too. Um, and, you know, what am I doing here? What's what's my role on this team, right? So I'm just going to be an energy guy. I'm just going to be positive. I'm going to hype guys up. I'm going to just do my best to make sure everyone feels confident. Um, you know, that was kind of – and that role kind of stayed the same from 2014 to 2018. I think I was like – I think I'm like on the all-time goal-scoring list of in the world games, but like – I don't know if I've started any games. Um, so just kind of coming in off the bench, you know, learning how to deal with that, right? Like, am I going to have a huge ego and pout because I'm not starting? Or like, am I going to have fun with this and embrace it and like understand that this is just bigger than me, right? It's about the team and all and about all of these individuals coming together and having a great experience with it. Um, and that kind of shifted Coach John Donowski. He's the head coach of Duke right now. Did a really, really great job just creating a fun relaxed culture when we were over in Israel. Um, it wasn't too strict, right? Like yeah, he didn't make it like a boot camp, and you don't have to, you know, be super tucked in and like, a, you know, just be yourselves and like we'll come together as a team and unit. He emphasized a lot guys when they're relaxed can be more confident and better at what they do um, because, you know, at the end of the day, he knows that we know like there is a lot of pressure on us to win and we all want to win. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like, um, that was, that was so fun. Like the gold medal game, for instance, in 2018, I played for a, a minute and a half. I was on the man up team, came in, cut, scored, came out. I think it tied the game for us in the third quarter. Like it was a big goal, but, and obviously I trust me, I wanted to be in, I wanted to play every second of the game, but, you know, sometimes you got to play the, the cards that you're dealt. And for me, it was encouraging guys and being positive and finishing my shot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and then we won, and my family flew over for the gold medal game. We went to Italy for, like, eight days after our entire family. And my brother's, at the time, fiancé, now wife. Such a sick experience going to Rome with, with my, my parents and then going down to uh, – Sorrento and Positano, you know, going down nice. to Southern Italy. Nice. My, my dad's grandmother was Sicilian. So kind of some cool family heritage there, but yeah. So that's kind of a very long winded answer to the USA experience for me, but I'm, I'm so grateful, um, to be able to have a, a gold medal. I actually have all three. I, I have the rainbow of medals. I have a gold, I have a silver. And then in 2015, I was on the box team. And we uh, got third place, so I have a bronze as well. Nice. So full gambit, full gambit. Yeah, I wish they were all golds, obviously, but yeah, <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah Variety is the spice of life, they say. So when you're on the USA team and you have a specific role, I think just hearing a little bit about like what it means to be a good teammate, because a lot of guys probably listening to this episode 
he might not be the guy. He might not be the starter or the you know the first line midi. Yeah. Like what for you when you're looking for someone who's a good teammate or you're thinking about what it means to be a good teammate? Like what is that? What does that mean? Yeah, I think uh, this will again. This will be another long winded answer. I guess it is a podcast, right? So like <laughs> yeah. we're supposed to talk. Um, but playing basketball at Gilman taught me, you know, how to come off the bench and like be a role player. Um, that's why I think it, it is important that kids play other sports. Like it's not great to just like be the best on your team all year round. Like if you're the best on your lacrosse team, maybe go try volleyball in the fall and like see what that's like. Um, and stick with it. Like don't quit when you're not a starter. Like don't go to another team, just like stick it out. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Um, (laughs) and, and like, don't blame the coaches for that either. Like don't make excuses. Um, but anyways, so like, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fine line, right? Because like you, you know, that player who maybe isn't starting or seeing time, you, you want to continue to work on your game and maybe you have to stay after practice and improve, right? Maybe, you know, you've got to push yourself. You got to challenge yourself to be the best that you can, right? So you're thinking a lot about yourself, but then at the same time, you've got to, what's the goal of the team is to be the best they can be and win, right? So if you're not playing, how can you impact the game from the sideline, right? You can encourage, you can be engaged. You can know the lingo that the coaches are using, right? You can maybe help a teammate out that's on the field with said lingo, right? Um, You can, you know, bring the water out to the huddles when we call timeouts. Um, You know, there's, a hundred different ways you can impact a game from the sideline. And then I also like to say there's like a thousand different ways you can impact a game when you're out on the field. That That's kind of another uh, area, but yeah, man, I think, I think just it's that fine line, right? You want to encourage the starters when they're playing, but like in practice, go at them, you know, challenge them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't settle for just being a, a bench player. Right. Right. You want to, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like everyone should assume the role of being a leader. Like, yeah. You should go out to practice like with that mindset. Um, yeah. And it's th- a process, you know, think about some of the guys that I played with who are quint- quintessential teammates in my mind. Yeah. And I think it really goes back to the conversation about humility too, because kind of swallowed their ego, their pride a little bit to recognize their role on the team and embrace the role and do it to the best of their ability. I yeah. think, I mean, I think that applies to all areas of your life too, even outside of lacrosse, you know, you might not get the job you want or, yeah, you know, you might not get the, the grade you want. You might not like your boss. You might not like your boss. Uh, sometimes it's not, the teacher that you need to go say like why is what this question is like not right mr scott this is yeah. kind of unfair this is a trick question maybe it's like maybe i didn't read like closely enough yeah. or maybe i didn't prepare enough for that job interview it's like putting the mirror back on yourself a little bit yeah and seeing what you can do to embrace it improve get out there like where are the flaws in your in your game right and it's like uh I think trusting trust is another big word that was um, 
I'll, I'll dance around this a little bit. It's ironic too, coming back to Gilman where you have the Gilman five words. Um, do you know them off the top of your head? I, I think we can work through them. Excellence. Excellence, respect, humility. Honor, integrity. Honor, honor integrity. Yep. Okay. Hopefully that's Got right. Got the head nod from Cesare. Nice. Right yeah, let's go. <laughs> so coaching at Utah, we had uh, the, the pillars of Utah lacrosse. Humility, passion, gratitude, trust, and uh, what am I missing here? <laughs> Put me on the spot. Humility, passion, gratitude, trust. I'll think of the fifth. It'll come to me before this ends. I'm surprised. It's been a, been a minute. Um, but, yeah, like, where was I going with this? Um, you were talking about teammates – my teammates and then humility, um, self-reflection. Yeah. Oh, trust. Um, you have to like, at some point, trust your your coaches. You know, it, it can't always be like anti-establishment, anti-coach. Like, from a from a coach's position, like we're trying to do best by the team. We're not trying to like inflict harm onto you or like bench you. You know, because we don't like you. Like that's usually not how it goes like i think it's funny the old adage like that coach plays favorites like yeah i do play favorites i play the guys that play hard and like do the things that i want to do and the things that will help us win like yes i'm gonna play those guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like um favorites has no- nothing to do with your personality um it, it has everything to do with your actions once the whistle blows and we step on the field um during practice time so like I think you, you just understanding that, you know, and, and just grinding it out, man. Like, you know, some things don't happen overnight. They take time. Um, and then when your opportunity presents itself, you know, a guy gets injured in front of you, you better be ready to step up and, and make the play. Um, yep. Yep. You, you better have confidence in yourself. And that confidence comes from preparing and, and doing the work. Like you said to our team when, when nobody's watching, right. What are you, what are you doing um, after hours? Uh, yeah, to make yourself better. So, interested in one of the pillars that you brought up uh, for the Utah program, gratitude, and yeah. like kind of how that functions on a team. Maybe that how that functions for you, just personally and professionally. Yeah, I, I mean, I like to say any day on a lacrosse field is a good day for me. So, yeah. like, yeah. I'm just whether I'm playing, whether I'm coaching, whether it's a clinic in Idaho. Um, you know, I, I just think that's like where I I love being. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think again, that's kind of another buzzword in in today's culture. I think, For like, sure. you know, f- write down your gratitude words, and trust me, I've I've done that, and I I believe in it for yeah. sure. Yeah, I can't say I'm I do it every day. Sometimes I forget. Um, but if if you wake up and you think about all the things you have to be grateful for, you, there's an endless list of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just pick three and write them down, you'll like. Then I like compiled the list. At one point in my life, I was doing this pretty religiously for a couple months, and I had like 250 things on there, and like reading through them was really cool. I was like, I'm grateful for this hot cup of coffee. Yep. I'm grateful for a morning shower. You know, I'm grateful to have a roof over my head. Um, I'm grateful for nice weather for practice today. You know. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> like the list is is endless, um, and you can kind of just let that permeate throughout your personality right making those words kind of 
So did, we are. did you do that like as a team, as an organization together that, at Utah? That came from my dad. That, that was more, that was his, um, you know, again, being in the game, being a goalie at Johns Hopkins, the most storied lacrosse collegiate program, being a coach at the youth, middle school, high school level, being a coach at the college level at, you know, three, four different programs. That was kind of his accumulation of words and of words that mean a lot that teams should strive to be like, and also people that emulated those words that he admired. Um, you know, guys from Gilman, a guy like Dean Smith, who he learned a lot about when he was down at UNC. Um, you know, his old coaches at Hopkins, Henry Ciccaroni, guys like that. So, yeah. 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 So I did a podcast with the tennis coach here at Gilman a couple of weeks ago, and he said something that really stuck with me is he was talking about his tennis career, and he was like, he played in like 11, nine Wimbledons, and Damn. he was a stud, and he played in Australian Open, and he was a pro for a while, but he does clinics and coaches now at Gilman, and Gilman tennis is like very good. They won I was going to ask. Like eight, nine years, I think he said. That's awesome. It doesn't get talked about as much as it should, yeah. but um, he said something that I really liked, and it's like about when he was like sweating and grinding for that lonely sport. You know, there's no one else out there with him. A lot of pressure on his back. Just the machine, the tennis machine that just shoots balls. <laughs> around, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, just him and the machine. Um, he has this philosophy, this thing that he always thought about is like, there's nowhere else that I'd rather be, right here on this court. And I just love that kind of gratitude mindset um, just way of approaching the game yeah. is what it's all about yeah and it applies everywhere so. yeah that's great I, I yeah and I've heard the phrase too like um, you know you, we don't have to practice today like we get to you know changing like I don't like oh I have to work out today no like I get to work out today like I'm I'm fortunate enough that like I'm physically able to do this and I have you know, a healthy body and a healthy mind that is going to allow me to be out on the field today. Like if you, yeah, like, like I said, if you go down to those micro levels, like yeah. that's, that's a really cool, that's, that's a great saying. That's cool. So last thing maybe to ask you is, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about your podcast that you're doing or some of the things that you're doing cool. outside of coaching here. And, yeah. you know, for people who are listening to get involved or tune in and check it out. Cool. And then, if you were doing an interview like this podcast one-on-one -on -one with anyone alive today, you just get to sit in here with, with that person and Cesare, who would you choose? Who would you want to talk to? Nice. Okay. I'll try to think of that as I speak. I don't know if I'll have a, a <laughs> yeah, it's a tough on answer. the spot. Um, but yeah, I, I moved back to Baltimore in October. Um, I was out at the university of Utah for the past five years living in Salt Lake city. Um, we took the team from, club status to division one, which was really, really awesome. I was, I was coaching with my dad and, and two other PLL players, Adam Gittleman and, and Will Manny, um, moved back to Baltimore in October. Uh, I got married in December, my lovely wife, Alex, and we actually had, we thought of this idea of a podcast, um, and we actually put it into action. We, I think we've done only six or seven episodes, so we're a little bit, far, a little bit behind the path to follow. <laughs> Maybe we'll catch up though one day. We, we've <laughs> we got a lot of, of stuff that we're trying to juggle right now, but it's called Two Halves. Um, a little bit of an ode, obviously, to our relationship, you know, uh, and also to our athletic backgrounds. Alex played lacrosse at the University of Maryland. 
I think she'd be remiss if I didn't didn't say that. You know, we've got a we've got a healthy Terp Tar Heel rivalry in the house. Oh yeah, going on. Um, it's it's mutual respect though. You know, um, but yeah. So it, it's it's been good, and kind of the premise of it is um, interviewing couples per se, business partners, people that work together, um, people who combined, you know, make a whole, right? Two halves. Um, so we've had, we've had some fun interviews. Um, Tom Schreiber being one, his wife, Kat is one of the all time leading scorers for us women's field hockey. Um, some may say she's even like better at her sport than Tom is at his sport. And that's, you know, Tom Schreiber we're talking about one of the best lacrosse players in the world. So, uh, it's been fun. You know, I think again, verbalizing things like, you know, um, Alex likes, she's pretty expressive. Uh, she says that she figures things out by speaking, uh, them out loud, which, you know, I wouldn't disagree with that. And I think it's, it's just a cool way for us to be closer in our relationship. And, and I think the the couples that we've had on have, have enjoyed it too. Um, because I'm not asking Tom about this goal that he scored, um, you know, at the buzzer, we're asking more so about like, what's your morning routine look like at home with, you know, your wife, like who makes breakfast, who cooks for each other. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's been fun. I'm, I'm doing a lot of training in the area. Um, at the time kind of trying to stay agnostic to like the whole club scene, just working with as many players as I can from the youth middle to high school, uh, age groups. And then, yeah, obviously playing in the summer, this will be my 10th season, uh, for the archers. Uh, we play in Baltimore, I think on June, 24th 25th weekend uh down at homewood field so that'll be an awesome opportunity i'm excited maybe some of the kids that i've coached or some kids at at gilman here will come out and and support me so yeah kind of uh you know mixing and matching some things to to make ends meet um which i think is is it's funny thinking back like i i think this is always the way it was gonna be for me i i think we i told you that like last week like yeah. nine to five thing. I, I, I don't know if it's not right or wrong. I just, I've, I've kind of found other ways to, um, create a lifestyle and it, it works for me. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy for sure. Um, life is good. I got to answer your podcast guest. Um, Oh man, this is tough. Philosopher, I'm, athlete, yeah, yeah. McConaughey. Mc, I, I think it, it would be McConaughey. You think so? Yeah. Um, I don't know if he has a podcast or not, but I just, again, I, I think it would be appropriate after reading his book and he just has like his, his mantra is great. Yeah. I don't know if you follow him on social media. He's, 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 awesome. he's good. Yeah. What does he do? What does he say at the end of his, I feel like he says some like buzzword yeah. when he signs off. Um, but he's just so like his approach is great and he's energetic and positive. Yeah. yeah. So good. I think there's one, uh, there's one part of that book I don't know. I, I just feel like people don't really, they see him on the movies, they see him on the screen and he's like, you know, yeah. it's kind of goofies and all those rom-coms. Yeah. But I don't think people realize how kind of a deep of a, his story is so cool. Yeah. Well, th- that is a really cool part of the book. It's later in the book where he like cut himself off from Hollywood because he was just doing rom-coms and, you know, a failure to launch like <laughs> these movies where he was just the same role and again being the type of reflective person that he is like he was just like i'm not taking one of these 
uh, requests. Like from he was like talking to his agent, just like tell him no. Like yeah. I'm going off the grid. And he talks about like simplifying your life. Like he was like I was doing five things at like a B level, you know. So he's like I had to cut two out, and he was like he wanted to be like a writer and a husband and something else. And he wanted to just do three things like really, really well, you know? So I think that there's a lesson in that of, you know, sometimes less is more. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then he was able to, you know, get a role and I think came back and then, you know, he made like, I think about a, a movie like interstellar. It's my wife's favorite movie. Like it's an epic movie. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got the cameo in Wolf of wall street, like, which was off the top of the head like right. that. A that lot of his stuff is, is just, just intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, his first movie when he Yeah, they didn't give him lines. They didn't give him like lines. the all right, all right, all right thing. Like they didn't give him It was that. off the cuff. Yeah. He was just like, All right, what would what would this character say? And that it's really cool about like being an actor. You take all those experiences that you've had in your life and they kind of build up to that moment when the director says action. Yeah. Um, yeah. My one of my favorite parts of that book is the uh well, of course, his notes, like his handwritten notes right. throughout. That's right. why I think, I, I don't know what the audio book, Cesare sent me the audio book, but I didn't really listen to it because I, I do appreciate the yeah the handwritten but notes. But his voice is so good, too. His voice you know? is so good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one part is biology and giddy up. It's like, yeah, I was born, like he was yeah. born with this natural ability. This yeah. like He's like a very handsome guy. He's what, what is he, like 6'4". Yeah. And like he obviously has this charisma yep. that helped him with his career. But he also like worked his ass off all the time. Yeah. And you've got to respect that. And you've got to respect that he journaled every every day Yeah, for however many years. Right. It's a great story. It's cool. He says like less impressed, more involved too i like that kind of mantra just like stop sitting on the sidelines of your life you know and like if you want something go get it you know if you if you want to do x it's going to take y z a b c to like get there um so i I like that little less impressed more involved yeah yeah all right marcus well thanks a lot for coming out it's a pleasure uh great conversation and yeah see you out there See you for practice. Cool. Yeah, let's get it. We'll be out on the field in half an hour or so. So appreciate you guys having me on. This was great. Yeah, a lot of fun. Awesome. Cesare, thank you. Yes, sir. All right.